Welcome to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast, featuring sermons given at our church and community center located in the Lincoln Estates neighborhood in Gainesville, Florida. If you find these messages beneficial, if you're part of our community, or if you want to help support the services we're providing to Southeast Gainesville, you can text the word GIVE to 352-562-7771 to make tax-deductible donations. Here's this week's message. Hey everybody, I'm Mike Rayburn, one of the lead pastors here at Gainesville Vineyard. Thanks for joining us today for our Sunday live stream service. It's been another heavy week, still a lot going on. And I, I want to start today with the prayer that we closed with last week. I'm going to put this up on the on the screen you're watching on. And if you feel comfortable, join with me in praying the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Holy Spirit, I thank you for everyone watching this broadcast, everyone who's a part of our community, all of our friends and loved ones and neighbors. And I ask that they could encounter your peace and your love through us, through our faith, our hope, our light, and our joy. Make us into the consolers, those who understand, those who give pardon, those who celebrate life and care for the dying. Let your grace be upon us. May we receive your word in this service this morning. Amen. I've got a few announcements to make and then I'll move into the teaching for today. First announcement is gather something for communion. We're going to take communion together at the conclusion of this service. So have something on hand, doesn't matter what, just something to eat and drink. We'll consecrate those elements together as the body and blood of Jesus at the conclusion of our service. Next announcement is our grocery giveaway. It's not happening this coming Wednesday. We just had one. It was very successful. Even though it rained, we persevered through. Uh, But our next grocery giveaway will be Wednesday week on September 8th. So just let you know that. Uh, We do have Community Garden coming up this Wednesday, every Wednesday from 6 to 7.30. We're working in the garden and getting that ready for fall planting, I guess. I don't really know, but uh, I do know how to operate a shovel. And so (laughs) I'd love to have you join me and Hannah O'Malley, who's leading that for us uh, on Wednesday evening as we continue to get the garden ready and, uh, and sow in to what the Lord is doing on that slightly intended. Um, next announcement is our Sunday services uh, continue in person outside the bull under the tent. So if, when you're ready to join us in person, you can meet us downtown at nine o'clock. We start sharply at nine o'clock. I know that's unusual for us, unusual for a vineyard church to start on time, but we have to start at nine so we can be done on time because of the other businesses that are opening and because it's really hot. So uh, if you want to stay home uh, where it's safe from COVID and safe from the humidity. I understand the broadcast will continue at 1030 
on Sundays, but we are meeting in person at 9 o'clock outside the Bull uh, when and if you're ready to do that with us. So uh, next announcement, our burning questions. Uh, it's not going to be a series. It's going to be, um, what is it going to be, Michael? I haven't told you yet. We're going to gather probably twice a month, I'm thinking. Um, I haven't set the day or time yet, but probably over Zoom. And we're going to discuss a series of questions that you guys have brought to the table. Uh, and so if you still haven't gotten those in, the link will be in the, the weekly email I send out. And it will be posted on social media. Um, encourage you to just, it's a simple Google form. You can do it anonymously. You don't have to put your email address or anything. And just any burning question that's on your heart. It can be theological. It can be ethical. It can be what have you. If there's a question you want answered, um, like why the Braves traded Tom Gladden to the New York Mets, I don't know anything, anything that's burning on your heart. I don't know why that would be burning on your heart. But if it is, you can ask it. I don't know that I have an answer for that. Um, but uh, burning questions, we're going to tackle those coming up this fall and have uh, a discussion around them. And I think it would be really fruitful. And the questions we've gotten so far are really good. So thank you for submitting those. Last announcement is giving. There are three ways you can contribute financially to Gainesville Vineyard and to the GMV Bridge Community Center. You can text the word GIVE to the number that's on the screen. You can go to our website, GainesvilleVineyard.org, and click on the Give button there. Uh, you can set up recurring giving that way if you'd like to. Or you can mail a check to the P.O. Box that's on the screen. All of your donations are tax deductible and are greatly appreciated as we continue the ministry of Gainesville Vineyard Church and the GMV Bridge Community Center. I keep telling you exciting things are coming and some of them are delayed now because of the Delta variant uh, being so resurgent in our area, but, but good things are still coming. We've got hopefully some good announcements coming in the next week or so about some of the things that we're doing at the bridge. So stay tuned for that and thank you for um, sharing your, your resources with us so we can keep doing this work. So today I'm going to wrap up our series on friendships. I've been talking now for a while about tending the nexuses of relationships that form our lives towards friendship, which I know is a mouthful and I'm probably only going to say it once or twice more and then I'll stop. And, and if you can remember back to April, I put this graphic on the screen back then and it's, it's still as crude as it was when I first made it. Um, but I was trying to convey the idea that, that our lives are formed by this complex network of relationships, that all of them are complicated. Our relationship with ourself is complicated. Our relationship with each other is complicated. Our relationship with creation is very complicated, as we talked about last week. Our relationship with God, with the divine, is often very complicated as well. And yet, those relationships form who we are, form us, uh, and form our lives. And we want to tend those relationships towards friendship. And we've talked about for a while now what that means. We started this series back on April 11th, the Sunday right after Easter. We began by talking about uh, the, the, the friendship between Peter and Mary Magdalene, if you can remember that far back. And there have been 21 sermons. This is the 21st sermon in this series. Uh, and, and I think it's been really fruitful. I, you know, you feel free to comment or give me some feedback on that if you like. But we, we heard really good sermons from Peter Fitch. Uh, from St. Stephen's University who shared with us, remember that? Uh, Karen Fields shared a wonderful sermon with us. Uh, Brent Henderson shared a great sermon with us. And Jacob, just a couple weeks ago, Jacob Larson shared a great sermon with us as well. So we've, we've heard from some different voices. Uh, we've talked about this internal relationship. We've talked about our social relationships. We've talked about our relationship with God and what it means to be a friend of God. And in last week, we finally talked about uh, what it 
would look like to befriend creation. So today, I want to put a bow on all of this. And I will tell you up front, this is probably going to be one of the more theological sermons that I think I've given. So um, I'm not apologizing, I'm just stating it. And I, I've started to call this sermon the mystery of friendship. Um, but it's actually, I'm going to call it this. This, is, this sermon is called the mystagogy of friendship. So that's how theological we're going to go this morning. And I hope to explain what I mean by the mystagogy of friendship here in just a minute. Um, but let's start with mystery, because friendship is steeped in mystery. Uh, we, we, what we know about God, what we know about creation, what we know about each other, uh, even what we know about our own selves, pales in comparison to what we don't know. There's so much more about God that we don't know than what we do know. There's so much more about creation that we don't know than we do know. There's so much more about each other, even folks that we're intimate with and know well. There's more about us than other people know. And we find out often there's more about ourselves than we even know. I mean, I've, I've heard so many times a person tell me uh, a similar story where they have some traumatic event in their life and then they go to therapy or counseling to deal with that. And as they're, as they're in therapy or counseling, um, other stuff starts coming up, repressed memories, things they had set aside to deal with later or maybe never. And all of it comes flooding in, even though they're trying to deal with this trauma all this other stuff shows up, stuff they weren't even aware of uh, or had forgotten or had intentionally uh, subconsciously repressed. And, and they find that dealing with that stuff changes um, them and brings them to a place of wholeness and healing, hopefully, if they stick with therapy, if they stick with counseling. Uh, but it's only in that trauma that those moments emerge. And before that, the person was, was a mystery to themselves. In, in significant ways. We hear this over and over again. And we know this about ourselves. We talked before about, you know, Paul says the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. It's because we don't fully understand all the complexities of this inner relationship of who we are. Um, and because of this mystery, this mystery of, of who God is, this mystery of creation, this mystery of relationships with each other, and even this mystery of us to ourselves, it's essential that we accept ourselves and each other and the world and God as we are. We have to begin by accepting us and everything just as we find it, just as we are, because there's so much more going on than we're aware of in any moment. And, and I know when I say that, you have to accept things as they are, that you might be like, well, wait a minute. No, things have to change. We, do, we don't accept things for how they are. And that's true. Um, we, we push to change things, especially if there's injustice uh, going on. But we, we change them by embracing the moment, by being present to the moment, by accepting that this ha is how it is right now, and we are going to change it. Um, if we can't accept ourselves for how we are, if we can't accept each other for how we are, um, then we can't be friends. I mean, change is necessary often, but change comes through friendship, not as a precursor to friendship. You can't expect a person to change to be their friend. And we, you know, and this is the old adage, you know, you don't, you don't marry someone expecting to change them because people don't really change. Um, these relationships, they form our lives. Our lives don't get formed apart from them or separated from them or ahead of time. They get, they get formed in these friendships, 
in these relationships. And of course, there are times and there are situations where it's necessary and, and good to end relationships. If it's a toxic relationship, if it's an abusive relationship, then that relationship might need to end. Um, really, I've counseled folks in that direction in the past because sometimes it's just true. But after that, the victim of the toxicity of the victim of the abuse has to form new relationships that that form them to, to healing and wholeness after that. And, and the abusers have to do the same. They have to hopefully find friendships, people who will embrace them um, as they are in all of their ugliness and wordiness and love them and grow them into wholeness and to healing. And that's our hope. So if there's an abusive relationship, yeah, you might need to, to, it might need to end, but then hopefully both parties can find wholeness and healing and the grace and redemption that God has. And that's only found in relationships. That's only found in friendships because these relationships form our lives and our lives are not formed apart from these relationships. So friendship, it's a mystery and it's the mystery that forms who we are in all of our mysteriousness. Uh, John O'Donohue says it this way. He says, to be wholesome, we must remain truthful to our vulnerable complexity. In order to keep our balance, we need to hold the interior and exterior, visible and invisible, known and unknown, temporal and eternal, ancient and new, together. No one else can undertake this task for you. You are the one and only threshold of an inner world. This wholesomeness is holiness. To be holy is to be natural, to befriend the worlds that come to balance in you. Behind the facade of image and distraction, each person is an artist in this primal and inescapable sense. Each one of us is doomed and privileged to be an inner artist who carries and shapes a unique world. Human presence is a creative and turbulent sacrament, a visible sign of invisible grace. Nowhere else is there such intimate and frightening access to the mysterium. Friendship is the sweet grace that liberates us to approach, recognize, and inhabit this adventure. Friendship is a creative and subversive force. It claims that intimacy is the secret law of life and universe. It claims that intimacy is the secret law of life and universe. Intimacy is the secret law of life and universe. Friendship makes it all happen. Friendship is the secret, is the key to the universe, is what O'Donohue is saying. And as we embrace this adventure that is this thing we call life, as we commit to becoming friends to ourselves and friends to each other and friends to creation and friends with God, then what happens, O'Donohue says, is that love gathers within us. Love gathers within us, and we find that as we commit to these friendships, that we have more resources to draw on to fulfill them. As I commit to loving myself, I find I'm more able to love myself. As I commit to loving you around me, I'm more able to do that. As I commit to caring for creation and loving creation, I find that what seems insurmountable, like we talked about last week, um, is, more, is more doable than it seems. 
And as we commit to loving God and being a friend of God, we find real intimacy takes place between us and the Holy Spirit, between us and Jesus. O'Donoghue says we learn to love and let ourselves be loved. And those go together in this mystery that is friendship. And this gives us this increased gathering of love to us, this learning to love and to be loved. This gives us what O'Donoghue says, access to the mystery. He says our feelings towards our friends reflect our feelings towards ourselves. In becoming friends with each other, we learn about who we are. It forms who we are, and we discover who we are. He also said that friendship is the nature of God. Friendship is the nature of God. And if we think about Trinity, we understand this, right? Friendship, relationship, is intimacy, is the very nature of God. So that's what it means for friendship to be at the heart of the mystery of existence, is that these relationships form who we are, and we discover who we are in them, and they define who God is as Trinity, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this intimate relationship with each other. Friendship teaches us much about the nature of God, the nature of creation, and the nature of ourselves. And it's not just the mystery of friendship. It's the mystagogy of friendship. Mystagogy is a word that means uh, interpreting the mystery in such a way that it disciples us into the way of Jesus. Friendship interprets the mysteries of life for us, interprets us for ourselves, interprets existence for us, interprets God for us, and disciples us in the way of Jesus. And we should expect this because as I started in this series, Jesus says, I have called you friends. Friendship is the foundation of the way of Jesus. What it means to follow Jesus is to press in to this mystery of these nexuses of relationships, to press into friendship, to let that form us disciple us, mold us, and shape us. And that's what mystagogy names. So friendship is a lifelong training and interpreting the mystery of existence. Friendship is the mystagogy of the Christian faith. And we see this in scripture. Look at this. This is three passages I want to share with you this morning. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And Paul echoes this in Acts 17 when he says, For in him we live and move and exist. As some of the poets have said, we are his offspring. And just to refresh your memory, in Genesis 1, uh, verse 3, the first thing God says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And of course, God says over and over again, let there be something, and then it exists. God speaks, and the world creation comes into being. So not only is the secret of the universe friendship, the secret of the universe is Jesus, the Logos, the Word. God speaks everything into existence, Genesis 1 tells us. And John 1 tells us that Jesus is the Word. God is both the speaker and the Word that is spoken, the creator and the template of all that is created. And what's interesting is that Genesis 1 is a poem, and it strongly suggests to us that God doesn't just say things into being, he, he, he sings them into being. 
He, he chants them into being. Maybe he wraps them into being. It's possible that the whole universe is created by a hip-hop, by God dropping bars and things just popping up. That might be what we're looking at here. So the nature of Jesus, the nature of the Trinity, um, is the nature of the ethic that we live by. The way of Jesus is embodied and modeled in all of creation. Because Jesus, the Logos, is the creator and the template. He's the speaker and the word that's spoken that brings everything into existence. And everything that's brought into existence is brought into existence in line with the word that is spoken and the speaker of that word. So what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is our understanding of Jesus shapes our understanding of everything else. We understand all of creation in light of who we understand Jesus to be. And who do we understand Jesus to be? Well, I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. I'm going to read to you from a creed. I'm going to put this on the screen. This is the Creed of Chalcedon from the year 451. And I'm going to read the whole thing. I told you this was going to be theological. So buckle up. Here we go. The Creed of Chalcedon 451 says this. In English translation, of course. We then, following the Holy Fathers, all with one consent, teach men to confess one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the same perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood, truly God and truly man, of a reasonable soul and body, consubstantial with us according to the manhood, in all things like unto us, without sin, begotten before all ages of the Father according to the Godhead, and in these latter days, for us and for our salvation, born of the Virgin Mary, the mother of God, according to the manhood, one and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, to be acknowledged in two natures, unconfused, unchangeable, indivisible, inseparable. The distinction of natures being by no means taken away by the union, but rather the property of each nature being preserved and concurring in one person and one subsistence, not parted or divided into two persons, but one and the same Son, the only begotten, God the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the prophets from the beginning have declared concerning him, and the Lord Jesus Christ himself taught us, and the creed of the Holy Fathers has handed down to us. So, this is the core understanding of who Jesus is, that the church, all of the church, has accepted all these centuries. This is not a debatable theological point. If you stray too far from this, then you've left uh, the Orthodox Christian faith. Okay, And so what we see here is that Jesus has two things going on. There is unity and there is diversity. Within Jesus, there are two natures. There are two wills. There are two energies. And the creed is careful to acknowledge that. Because they're, they're staving off heresies that said God only had one nature. Uh, Jesus only had one nature. Jesus only had one will. Jesus only had one energy. And, and it's usually the, the divine part of Jesus suppressing or squashing the human part of Jesus. And so they would say, no, no, no. Jesus is fully God and fully human. In his, in his body, in his nature, in his will, in his energy, in his mind. Every way you can imagine, every way you can think of, Jesus has both Godhead and humanity going on. Neither one quashes the other. And neither one separates from each other. There's no confusion. There's no division. There's no separation. There's no parting. There's no dividing. Okay? Uh, there's, there's no taking away by the union the property of each nature. Each is preserved. 
And what the church has taught us through the centuries is that this is not just true of Jesus. This is also true of the Trinity. The Trinity exists in the same way. You've got three persons, one God. And they are, they are like Jesus has two natures, there are three personas or persons in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And their unity doesn't abrogate their distinction. And their distinction doesn't take away from their unity. They're not separated. They're not divided. Um, they're preserved in their integrity and in their unity. So the diversity and the unity both are going on in the nature of Jesus himself and in the nature of the Trinity. And not just in the nature of Jesus and the nature of Trinity, in the nature of all creation. What we find is that this, the nature of Jesus, is the template for how we understand all of these relationships that form our lives. Diversity and unity. Because all these relationships are between two different entities. Either between the, in, the internal entities of myself, where I don't let my brain over squash my emotions or vice versa. Our relationships with each other, where there's always different dynamics of, of power and whatnot going on between us and we can't let one squash the other or, or manipulate the other or suppress or repress or abuse the other no everyone's got to be preserved in their integrity for there to be a relationship but there also can't be separation and division there's unity and there's diversity and the same with creation this is the specific adventure that we're invited into as followers of Jesus, is to tending all of these relationships into this natural created state, into harmony, into diversity and unity going on at the same time. So that whatever's in relationship maintains the integrity of its nature and its will and its energy, and it coexists with whatever else it's in relationship with. But then there's no confusion, and there's no division, and there's no separation, and there's no, what was the other word it used? There's no, um, there's no parting. There's no parting between the two. No confusion, no division, no separation, no parting. And what we find is that sin, sin is when one nature or will or energy gets squashed by another, where there's manipulation, where there's coercion, where there's violence, where there's abuse, where someone in the relationship is put down or subsumed, or there's a confusion, or there's division, or there's separation, or there's parting. Diversity and unity is what it looks like when we're living in harmony, when we're living in friendship. And sin tells us, I mean, we know from those things when sin is occurring, but diversity itself is a mark of creation. It's not a mark of sin. Um, Maximus the Confessor teaches us about the fivefold vision of being. This is the way God created the world, was that th things are separable. I'm not you and you're not me. We are two different entities. And we exist in relationship together. And when re that relationship is healthy and whole, there's harmony, then there's preservation of our integrity for each of us, and there's unity. And our diversity doesn't squash our unity, and our unity doesn't take away our diversity. And it is a balance and it is a harmony. But we sing this all the time because we want it to be true of us and God, right? What's the line we sing? Between you and me, there is no separation. And God is not the same as the created order, but God is not separable from the created order. God is not divided or estranged from us. 
When we sing that, we sing that because it's true. Between you and me, there is no separation. That's what we sing. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're asking that that would be true as well from these specific modes of diversity that we're praying also exist in unity. Look at the Lord's Prayer and think about diversity in unity, okay? Well, here it is. Our pop in heaven. There's, there's diversity. We're not in heaven. We're not God. We're, there's a division there. Our pop in heaven, holy is your name. Let there be unity between us, even though we're not the same, even though there's diversity there. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's a diversity between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this earth. And we want there to be unity there. There's a diversity between God's will and our will. We want there to be unity there. On earth as in heaven. That's our asking for the unity in diversity. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. There can be division between us, between those who owe and those who are owed. And we want there to be unity between those people as well. Don't bring us to trial. Deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You are the one who has overcome the dividing and the separating and, and the things that lead to disunity. You're the one who's overcome the squashing of diversity so that we, we re replace unity with uniformity. Uniformity is not unity. Without true diversity, there can't be true unity is what we learn from the Christian faith. Maximus the Confessor says it this way. He says, God, who made nature and wisely healed it when it was sick through wickedness, through his love towards us, emptied himself, taking the form of the slave, and without change united himself to this nature hypostatically. For our sake and from us and through us, he became holy man to such a degree that unbelievers thought he was not God, while existing as God to such a degree that believers that to believers was granted the ineffable and true meaning of reverent religion. In this way, the works of the devil were dissolved and nature restored to its pure powers. And by again bringing about union with him and of human beings with one another, God renewed the power of love, the adversary of self-love. We don't have to live with disunity. We don't have to live with uniformity. We can have true diversity and true unity. That has been won for us by Jesus. In his very nature, he embodies diversity and unity. He's won that for us through his life and his death and his resurrection. The Trinity exists in diversity and unity. And we are invited into this great adventure called Life in Jesus. And Life in Jesus looks just like that. A celebration of diversity and a celebration of unity between us and each other, between us and creation, between even the internal parts of ourselves, we can have harmony here and harmony here and harmony here and harmony with God. And when I started this series back in April, I thought, hey, we're about to come out of the pandemic. I, Our family had just gotten vaccinated um, right before Easter. So I was like, well, hey, the pandemic's going to be kind of winding down. People are going to be getting back to normal life. And we've been quarantined for a year. There might be some awkwardness. It'd be a good time to think about how we relate to each other and making sure we're tending these relationships towards friendship. That was really my only idea. Um, 
was that hopefully we would get past the things that had been dividing us. I mean, remember in April, it had only been a few months since like the thing at the Capitol in Washington, the insurrection attempt, and things felt very div divisive and, and, and broken. And I thought, hey, this would be a good chance for us to like think through the summer about healing these things and getting back to a, a good place. And the world has fallen further apart in the last few months, in the last 21 weeks. Things are more difficult than ever. They feel more divided than ever. And it shouldn't be the case. Uh, the, the pandemic should have brought us together, although we were all quarantined in our own homes. We were all going through the same traumatic experience together. Um, and yet it is it is not brought us together. We're, we're as much at war with each other as we've ever been. Uh, even within the faith, even within our own community, there's trouble. And I really want us to get past this. I really want us to learn to celebrate diversity and unity. We don't all have to think the same thing. We don't all have to be on the same page theologically or politically or, or in most other ways for us to be friends. We can have real unity. And unity doesn't look like us all thinking the same thing. That's not unity. If there's not a difference of opinion that we embrace and accept, then we don't have real friendships going on. And what I want us to be is a community of real friendships. Brent shared this quote on Facebook uh, yesterday, and I thought it was really good, so I want to share it here. This is Esau McCauley. He says, The pandemic has reminded us that life is more than what we do. It is about whom we spend our life with. We cannot hug a career or laugh with a promotion. We are made for friendship, love, and community. That's exactly right. We are made, literally, I just showed you fr from Scripture and from, from Christian Orthodox teaching that our understanding is that we were made for relationship. We were made for friendship. We were made for love. We were made for community. God specifically made us after the model of Jesus. So there's diversity and unity baked into our being, baked into our society, baked into who we are. This is what Jesus is inviting us to, me and you, right now, is to lean into this way of diversity and unity and unity in diversity. What does it look like? What is Jesus calling us specifically to, to, to appreciate and preserve the diversity among us and to let nothing break the unity, the bond of love that we have between us? For some of us, that looks like apologizing. For some of us, it looks like biting our tongue or putting away our, our, our social media thumbs. For some of us, that looks like Going the extra mile. For some of us, it looks like deep introspection. It probably looks like that for all of us. But what I'm hoping for us, what I was hoping for us back in April when I started this series, was that it would help us think through and embrace more deeply um, loving the Lord and loving the world and loving each other, loving our neighbors and loving ourselves. Because all of those go together. Uh, O'Donohue is right. It's in loving friends that we learn about ourselves. And that none of these can go very far without the others. That's why we, those commandments go together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are not separable from each other. 
They can't work one without the other. And so I hope, I hope that we can tend the nexuses of relationships that form our lives more towards friendships, appreciating the diversity and the unity that is who we are and who we're made to be. And that we can be a community of real friends who live in harmony with ourselves, with each other, and with the world, and with our God. Let's take communion. If you've got your morsel of food, hold that up. And as we lift this up and, and, and say the words we're going to say, this becomes the body of Jesus. And I just want us to say what we said for most of the series. I know we changed it up a few times. Um, but say this with me. This is the body of Jesus. Jesus calls us friends. Friends take his body together. And as you raise your cup, this becomes the blood of Jesus. And it's not just that Jesus calls us friends. Jesus has done the work to make us friends. It's accomplished. We don't have to live the way the world lives. We don't have to be separated. We don't have to be divided. I know that can sound idealistic. Yeah, okay, maybe. But it's also true because this is what Jesus has done for us. And we're called to this great adventure to love and to risk for each other. So raise your glass together and say this with me. This is the blood of Jesus. Jesus makes us friends. Drink together, friends. I want to close with this blessing that O'Donohue shares uh, for friendship. And then I'll let you go. Check this out. This is my prayer for us and for each of you. May you be blessed with good friends. May you learn to be a good friend to yourself. May you be able to journey to that place in your soul where there is great love, warmth, feeling, and forgiveness. May this change you. May it transfigure that which is negative, distant, or cold in you. May you be brought into the real passion, kinship, and affinity of belonging. May you treasure your friends. May you be good to them, and may you be there for them. May they bring you all the blessing, challenges, truth, and light that you need for your journey. May you never be isolated. May you always be in the gentle nest of belonging with your soul friends. Friends, I love you. I'm grateful for you and for our community. And let's press further in to unity and diversity and to this great adventure of friendship that we're invited into. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast. For more information about our church and community center, including our food pantry, life skills training, legal aid, after school and sports programs, and international missions, and how to contact us, visit GainesvilleVineyard.org or find us on Facebook. Our page name is GN Vineyard. We also have original worship songs available on iTunes. Just search for Gainesville Vineyard. You can support the work we're doing by texting the word GIVE to 352-562-7771. 
all donations are tax deductible. We appreciate you listening to this message and pray the Spirit speaks directly to you through something you've heard today. God bless.